Hello there. Thank you for joining us again on The Beauty and the Brain. For those of you who may have missed us the last couple of weeks, we are Alina and Maddie, aka The Beauty and the Brain, and we are here to bring Botox and Bravo to the table for your next dinner party. Think of it as us bringing basic bitch topics into the intellectual sphere. So Alina, let's get into our basic bitch quickies, baby cues. Um, for our viewers who maybe you know listening for the first time, our baby cues, basic bitch quickies are where we basically get like viral trends, top headlines of the week, and we basically just kind of give our two cents input. It's the stuff that we would have made an episode, a full episode on, but really there's not enough content there. So with that, I will get us started on our first article. Um. Adele gives first taste of a new song, Easy On Me, and confirms release date. I mean, Adele is, thank God she decided to come back to us because I feel like we were, we were hurting without you, Adele. And you're making us wait about two more weeks and I'm not happy about it, but love you. You look fucking great. So glad that your voice is sounding better and clearer and crisper than ever. Um, I'm, I'm so happy for her. Although interested to see, like, is this about her? She got divorced recently. Right. So I wonder if there's going to be like that, like hurt and pain. And that's, I mean, that's when the best music comes. So yeah, I feel like some artists, like they just thrive when in that pain and some of their best work comes from it. I, I hate to say it. like, you know, how, like a lot of people like hope that Taylor Swift, for example, um, like <laughs> they like want her to go through a breakup, like in order for like a good album to come out. Um, I feel like with Adele, it's always been some sort of form of heartbreak that's led to heartbreak and or love, right. That have led to some like really, really amazing songs. Um, I'm just really excited that she's coming out with some shit and like, you know what? I was disappointed by Drake's album. I was disappointed by G-Eazy's new album. I was disappointed with like a lot of music that came out this year. So I'm really, really, really excited for her album. I am. Yes. Very, very, very happy. Um, can't wait. Adele, don't keep us waiting. Please. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Okay. So Maddie totally forgot that this was like the only fucking job I have is to put our timer (laughs) on and keep us on track. Um, I feel like we did unusually well with, um, with the Adele news. (laughs) Um, I think we both love her. (laughs) Exactly. There's like, I mean, what more can you say other than is it October 15th yet? So excited. You look fucking great need your trainer's number. Um, so I'm going to keep us on track so that Thank we don't you. become chatty Cathy's and, um, I'm going to start the, the, uh, stopwatch. Okay. All right. So, What's the next one? Hit me. Next article house of the dragon teaser, new footage from game of Thrones prequel is here. Okay. Started. Um, I watched it last night. I'm not going to lie. It's one of my like darkest secrets that I was a huge Game of Thrones fan. It's not my normal type of show or movie, as you know. Like I'm not mm-hmm. super into like action and I hate gore. Every time they killed a horse on that show, I literally died inside. Um, but I, I, like, I needed to know how it ended. And I'm very, very, very angry with how it ended. But that's another story for another day. Um, regarding this, it was literally Game of Thrones. 
I, I, I actually like, it's the same fucking show. And I don't know, are they just trying to redeem themselves? Yeah. So it's the prequel. So it's going to be basically about the crazy king or what is it? The, the mad is king. The mad oh God, king. I can't believe I know that. I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually surprised. You're not really into like high fantasy kind of stuff. So um, I honestly, from what I've read in the comment section across Instagram, across, across Twitter, a lot of people are just like, fuck this. I'm not watching it. You guys don't deserve my eyeballs because of the PTSD that you put me through with what, how, with how you ended fucking Game of Thrones, which I'm kind of on board a little bit. Like, are y'all going to fuck with me the same way that y'all fucked with me the last season of Game of Thrones? Cause if that's the case, I, nope, not, not, I'm not gonna. Not oh my gosh, is there a coup? Oh, hundred percent. Are we feeling that? I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm probably not going to watch it because I literally thought for a second, I was like, oh shit, is that Amelia Clark? I didn't know she was in this. And then I was like, oh no, it's literally just an actress that looks exactly like her with the yeah. same wig. Um, like, I, like, I think they repurposed the wigs and the costumes and like, I get it. It's a prequel. <laughs> it's part of the like, whatever series or whatever, but come on, give us something different, right? I don't know. I'm yeah. not. I'm not that impressed. Look, I invested X amount. Was it eight seasons? Seven seasons? Six? I can't even remember. I think it was eight. Eight seasons to fucking Game of Thrones, and y'all shit all over everything at the last few episodes. So no, I don't think I'm going to be dedicating as much time. As much as I loved the first seven seasons, I I, I don't think I can. I don't think my heart can do it anymore. Okay. Well. Let's see. I'm probably going to watch it because I'm a loser and I sit at home and just watch TV all day long. So lies. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That is actually a lie as I'm sitting here like freaking out late to our recording session because I'm running around looking at countertop slabs yeah. and preparing for this like world tour of the US. Um, <laughs> I realized that that was. Um, yeah. I was like, I was like lies. I was like, when do you not have something going on? And meanwhile, I'm over here like, Alina, pay attention to me. And you're like, I'm sorry, 5,000 things happening. <laughs> Love me. I'm sorry. I have a um, guest for the last nine months. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, What's the last one? Hit me. Last article. Emily, I'm going to give us three minutes because we, I feel like we use like a minute and a half on Adele. So I'm just going to okay. give us an extra minute. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to butcher her name because I always butcher her name. But um, Emily Redichkowski claims Robin Thicke groped her on set of the Blurred Lines music video. And go. Okay. I mean, mm. I thought that there was already a thing about this, right? I mean, Robin Thicke, we all know. Isn't he like a sex addict? He like cheated on Paula Patton how many times? Like, I just, I'm, I'm shocked that like anybody's shocked. I, I think it's awful. I think it's awful and disgusting. And I'm sorry she went through that, but like, yeah, I, I, I just feel like it's like the shock for me that it was Robin Thicke. I, I didn't feel that. Yeah. I mean, there was another article that came out. I think it was like yesterday around how basically she said she didn't report it or say anything because she knew it would have cost her her career. And I was like, Damn. But it was also, I hate to say it, but different time in Hollywood, like before this Me Too surgeons and before a lot of people have the courage to like step up and be like, I'm not playing into these power dynamics anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's old news being brought to light and actually like put out there definitively. But I feel like a lot of people probably already felt that, especially since Blurred Lines, the music video itself had such massive backlash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
that uh, Robin Thicke, man, like all this shit is just coming after him. <laughs> I, I mean, but, but yeah, like he, he's just like a dirt bag. Like he yeah. just seems like a dirty man. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Again, awful for her. I think that's disgusting. And to your point, yes, I saw that article where she said, I wouldn't be famous. Mm-hmm. And that's so sad that anybody has to put their safety or whatever above but isn't you know. that like what all oh, women have had to deal with though? Like I think about like the countless times at work where I've just had to put shit to the side because if I said anything, I would be seen as like difficult and people wouldn't want to have me work with them on these projects or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of us as women have had to deal with this. So a lot of women are probably like, oh, you know, like that's not new, new, that's not new yeah. to us. I mean, I'm sorry. I like giggled a little bit because literally in my annual review, my feedback was like, be nicer basically <laughs> it was literally just like you need to oh not like be such a big voice in the room which is whatever but um but That's no I, I I agree and, and like when I was new, fresh out of college and I was working at this hotel you know my GM in retrospect it was like straight up sexual harassment was like showing me like whips and mm-hmm. stuff and was like I'm putting these in the mini bar what do you think describe what you would do with them and like a me dumbass 21 year old Lena was oh like um I've never used like a whip or like a gag ball <laughs> but like I imagine that maybe someone would use it so try it in a couple of hotel rooms and then like really fucking awkward but um but to go back to Emily Radojowski um I mean I think she parlayed it and now she's telling her story. And I just hope that that's enough and what she needs. Yeah. A hundred percent. Ooh, I love that. So really enjoy that particular like sound bite or ringtone or whatever it is. It is quite jarring and it gets the job done of like, shut the fuck up. It's literally the equivalent of a musical interlude that parallels or screams, shut the fuck up to you. At like the Grammys. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like eve over stage time time moving on keep, let's keep, keep let's keep on. yeah yeah no i always love it when they do that it's so awkward um okay and on that note let's get into this week's topic okay so very excited about this week as you know did lots of research spent lots of hours in front of the television for it um over the last 10 years of my life but okay so super pumped the bachelor franchise the fucking bachelor bachelorette clearly fan favorite everybody like loves to hate it guys don't want to admit it we know that both of our husbands are the ones who are addicted and they obsessed us into it <laughs> with that said watched matt james this season and then i just like was i don't know why i couldn't get into katie so did you watch it so no, I haven't watched this season, but I will say I've like caught snippets here and there. And because of course, as you know, Pierre fucking loves everything Bachelor franchise. Um, so I'm kind of like roped into listening to it while I'm working, let's say on, on late nights. Um, but I know working. from what I, I, don't, I, I don't know <laughs> what is that? that means, um, I don't. So, okay. So I remember that there was this like massive blowout fight when I was watching it towards the end that kind of like piqued my interest. Um, But yeah, that, that to me was a bit wild. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't watched this season, like either one of us, to be honest, or just kind of Mm -hmm. glimpses of it here and there, um, we are talking about this like really uncomfortable breakup argument, walk off set situation between Greg Grippo and Katie. 
Um, so like I had heard about it and that's kind of what prompted me to go back and watch this. It was during the hometown dates. It was like the best hometown date. I think they've probably ever had. I thought I was like, Oh, this is like her guy, right? Mm-hmm. What fight do they have? Blah, blah, blah. And then I watched it and it was just the most like, he was such a dick. Like, don't get me wrong. I get it. I feel like I, I saw some like qualities of myself in him, but during a fight, but I like, for somebody like Katie, who I think like people like her, but also she's kind of not that fun to watch because she's such a like strong woman. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That like, I was shocked at how she, I felt like she totally just kind of caved and was, and she was like literally groveling in a sense. And I was like, why? Like you shouldn't be groveling right now. Like you're such a strong independent woman. And I, you know, that annoys me in general, but I was shocked at how he made her feel so small. And it was crazy. He basically was like, you didn't validate me enough. You didn't validate me enough and made her feel like shit. So. Yeah. I mean, mean, yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Continue. No, sorry. I realized that I didn't finish telling the story. So basically Greg was Katie's front runner the entire time. And then like after the hometown date, he said, oh, I'm falling in love with you. And instead of being like, oh my God, I love you too, which everybody knows the bachelor bachelor is not allowed to do. Um, he says she quote unquote glossed over his feelings. And so he was really fucking butthurt and basically told her that she was a really shitty person for 20 minutes while she literally cried. And it was quite sad actually. I mean, yeah. Like I noticed that he clearly had some attachment issues. It was quite visible to me from that hometown fight, like a hundred percent. Like when you say attachment issues, you think like, well, we know about his dad, right? Like awful, mm. very, very sad. I think that, that they mentioned that was partially why they were able to connect was because they both lost their dad at a pretty young age. Um, but do you think it's like stage five clinger? Like what do you mean by attachment issues? I'm, no, I mean like actual attachment issues. Um, so like when I watch these shows, I don't necessarily watch them similar to like Pierre for like the actual drama and like laughing at, you know, the way that people are arguing and, and the way that people are made to look crazy. The reason why I watch these shows is I like to think about the psychological factors that are contributing to why they're reacting the way that they're reacting. So um, in Greg's case, like when you peel back some of these layers, I feel like a lot of people didn't understand why he was acting the way that he was acting with some of the manipulation and what they perceived as gaslighting. Um, and especially during the reunion too, since I only caught snippets of this, I don't know if you watched the reunion episode. Yes. Um, three hours of it. I watched it all. <laughs> and of course they waited. This is like the last thing. And I was like, this is really what I was trying to watch, but Okay. <laughs> I was a little oh, You were like, oh my God, I could have just fast forwarded this whole fucking time. Uh-huh. Um, so it, when you watch the reunion, in particular, the situation between Greg and Katie, it boiled down to, or at least her argument was that he was trying to find an escape, right? Like yes. he was just waiting for the one thing so that he could just like book it and be like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. But I actually beg to differ. And I want to argue that Greg is actually an anxious attachment type, if you will. And because Katie wasn't validating his emotions and their love, because I really do think he really cared for her throughout the whole um, season. Um, I think his anxious, because she wasn't validating him, his anxious attachment was activated and they tend, what happens when an anxious person or not anxious person, but an anxious attachment type person gets overwhelmed by negative emotions, they will tend to spiral. Um, And essentially when they feel hurt, 
they react in really extreme manners, even which includes like threatening to leave, which in this case happened. Okay. So we will definitely circle back. That's the corporate and me coming out. We will circle (laughs) back on that piece. Um, However, like once again, why you're the brain, Um, because I just watched The Bachelor and Vanderpump Rules and all those shows. And I'm like, oh, let me just look at pretty people. Um, So like, what is an attachment style? What are you talking about? Which one am I? And we have a lot of questions here. Yeah. Um, I think you're a little, I think you might even be a little <laughs> bit of a mix, Alina, but potentially avoidant. I think that's what you, because you Sounds and Pierre accurate. are very similar. Yeah. Accurate. I think you and Pierre are very similar. Um, and then me and Mark are quite similar. We're anxious attachments. And by the way, just prefacing anxious and avoidance, we are the worst possible fucking like pair to actually oh, be God. paired up together. It is, oh, it is actually like written in the studies, like we constantly activate each other's like cycles, if you will. But anyways, there's always ways to cope with that. That's not to say that it's terrible from the get-go, but there are ways to work around it. Um, so, okay. Lots of therapy. Therapy. So much therapy. Oh my God. Um, okay. okay. Tell us what, what, what is an attachment style and what does it mean? So I want to preface that this is, of course, a theory, right? And there are lots of books out there that will tend to paint this very much in black and white, when in actuality, I believe there's lots of gray here, right? So I I just want to first start off with that. Then I'll kind of go into what attachment theory is. So I won't get too into the nitty gritty, but it started basically in the 50s by John Bowlby. Um, But the main study that I really, really love was done by Margaret Ainsworth in the 1970s at my alma mater, UC Berkeley. Go Bears. Um, But what the study was compromised of was like a 30-minute protocol. And in those 30 minutes, um, they essentially would put children and caregivers in sort of a series of stressful separations and then would reunite them. And they'd look at how the children would react to the mother and they would assess that connection, right? So what would this look like? A mom and a toddler would enter a room. There's like a whole bunch of toys there. The mom would like, you know, put the kid down. Kid would play with the toys, show the mom like, hey, mom, look at me playing with the toys, even though the kid can't really speak. It's a toddler. Um, I mean, of course, they can say some words, but it's not like a like you and I conversating, right? Then three minutes in, a younger woman would come into the room and kind of sit in the corner of the room. Then the mother would leave the room. Um, the children were then categorized into three attachment types based on how they acted, right? And then they were also looking at the adrenaline and cortisol levels as well to help categorize the child. So let me, oh, yes, go ahead. Wait, sorry. I just, <laughs> thinking about this, why would a mother do this to their kid? That's a really great question. I'm not hundred percent sure if there was like a fiscal reason behind this, okay. like partaking in the study, there's usually like some financial gain, right? Like partake in the study and you'll get paid X, Y, and Z. Um, Torture your child would... for 30 minutes, you know? Okay. You sorry, know, it'll sorry. be fun. I'm just, just thinking about that. That's what came to mind. Okay. So tell us yeah. what are these three buckets? Okay. So there's the secure attachment. And so with that tends to be, so this is like the healthiest version out there, right? Like we all aspire to have a situation. You're saying that's No, that is definitely not you and definitely not me. But the secure attachment was, you know, they'd have, they'd be happy to be in the presence of their mom. Um, you know, who, and basically their mom was the one who was encouraging them to explore the toys. But when the mom left, they would get like, you know, 
they'd get quite upset. Um, and, um, you know, they wouldn't really engage with the strange woman that was in the room. Um, and then when the mom returned, the mom would soothe them and they were easily soothed by the mother. Right. So that's typically the secure attachment or basically, you know, they want to be with their mom. They love their mom. They have sort of a correct, not a correct, but sort of an emotional response, um, where they're in turmoil about their mom leaving. Um, and then when the mother comes back, the child is comforted and the mother regulates her emotions based on the child, right? Like everything is about the kid. So then there's the avoidant Uh, and avoidance, by the way, compromise about 25% of the population. Um, So avoidant babies are typically withdrawn. Uh, So they withdraw from its mother um, and they deny or minimize their own distress. So when they were measuring the cortisol and adrenaline levels of these babies, even though they weren't like, showcasing that they were like in distress, their adrenaline and cortisol levels, which is like the stress hormone, if you will, it was elevated in the baby. So they were clearly under distress that the mother left, but they didn't show it. They're like, nah, I'm cool. They're like trying to play it cool. Um, And so that baby also did not approach the stranger. And on top of that, when the mother returned, that baby would ignore the mom and they wouldn't express relief or interest in her when she returned. So that's avoidant. Okay. Then you have, have, the, thoughts. You have thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, would you like to address these thoughts before I go into the third one? No, no, I'm just, I, I have a question for you and maybe this is something we should talk about later, but like, can a baby cha- change? Can you change your type of attachment style? So that's a really great question. Um, So fun facts, our attachment style psychologically develop in the first 18 months of our existence. And then it's pretty much set in stone. However, as you grow up, there are sort of coping mechanisms and like tools and therapy that you can go to, to kind of help you lean towards being more secure. Um, But you will always kind of have some of these triggers right. That are related to each one of these attachment styles. So when I say that, like your attachment style is truly not your fault, like your parents fucked you up. Like it, it's not, it's not on you. Like this is Mom, truly hundred percent enough your love. Mom, Basically. you didn't give me enough love. Did you hug oh. me as a kid? No, I'm joking. Okay. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. So what's the third one? What's the third one? So the third one is else. anxious attachment. Now anxious or ambivalent, it, they kind of interchange between those two terms, but the most okay. widely known in the world is anxious. Um, and with anxious, they seem stuck between staying close to the mom and exploring the toys. Right. So they have like, Like, I want to go explore and do me, but like, I'm also like really anxious and need to hold on to my mother. Um, And typically those babies would get really distressed when the mother would leave. Um, They didn't like being alone or being with that stranger. Um, And when the mother would return, the baby, what they noticed is that the baby would regulate its emotions based on the mother. So if the mother was in distress that she had left the baby and came back, and if the mother wasn't comforting the baby, the baby would actually try to comfort the mother. Like it was, it was kind of strange the way that that works out. Um, but that's because it's like anxious attachment style. Like your well-being is attached to someone else. Okay. Someone's always in that bubble. Now, the interesting thing is there's actually a fourth attachment style. Um, and I won't get too much into this just because, um, I feel like the fourth one is, is a lot darker. 
Um, but it's called disorganized attachment. Um, and this was a study done by Mary Main, um, who was actually a student of Margaret Ainsworth. Um, and they looked at children that basically weren't easily cataloged. They were like, well, there's this other type that we can't figure out. And when they did an additional study, they found that um, basically the disorganized child would actively like, how can I explain this? They basically were scared of their caregiver um, and were also unable to get comfort from their caregiver. So clearly it was like a violent and emotionally withdrawn household. So I feel like Mary Main was a little bit of a whistleblower and was like, <laughs> you know, there was some unethical shit going on. And so I'm going to put my name in the history books or science books or whatever it was by creating, you know, this fourth attachment theory. Um, wait, that sounds so sad. Yeah, I know. But like, but like, here's the thing, I'm just going to go back to the fact that like, when it comes to these attachment theories, you know, when people are always like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be normal in relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Blame your fucking parents. Wait, truly, it's legit their fault. Okay, hold on. So if you're like, I guess when you make that correlation, I'm inclined to think I'm secure. Cause I'm, I literally like, don't ever say, why can't I be normal in a relationship? I'm like, I'm actually the okay, most normal fucking person in the world. <laughs> I am. Okay. 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 okay Alina. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I feel like I don't ever say, I, I don't ever say it's my fault. <laughs> I'm like, it's not me. I'm normal. <sighs> Mom, you hugged me enough. Okay. All right. So to take this back to the point of this, AKA the bachelor franchise mm-hmm. Like, do you think that's why some of these people just seem like they're unhinged on the show? <laughs> it's like, sorry, I, like, what do you think about it, right? Part of me is like, yo, you've known this person for like a fucking de- a night, a date. You've been on one date with them and you're like, oh, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Like, could that be because their attachment style or is that just, do you think that it's like something else? Yeah, I mean- in some cases, hundred percent, I think like that's why some of these people perceive are perceived to be unhinged. Like you can't have a whole bunch of secure types on the show because it wouldn't lend to good fucking reality TV, right? Like yeah. let's say that you've got a good mix of anxious and avoidance, which I've told you before are the most triggering pair. Like they're going to exacerbate each other's insecurities. So Wait, yes. question. Sorry. Mm-hmm. My question for you is, I know that you mentioned that avoidance are 25% of the population. What percentage are anxious? Because I feel like that's probably like 75% of the population. Maybe <laughs> a good percentage. Yes. Two percentage or secure. Like, I guess that's my question. Are there, are you more likely to be anxious and or avoidant over secure? So I think anxious are the more likely. So when I was reading the multitude of books that I was reading, they didn't necessarily lend to percentages. I just know that the avoidance was the one where they lent a percentage number. And I was like, huh, interesting. Um, So anyways, kind of going back to your question. No, 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 no. No, girl, I'm here for it. I love when you cut me off. Um, lens to the dialogue. What can I say? Um, so kind of going back to, you know, if you have a good mix of anxious and avoidance on the show and um, it, it's going to lend to TV. better reality TV <laughs> moments, right? And bigger fights and better fights. And you're going to see some of those unhinged moments and people are going to be like, fuck yeah, especially when you get them out of context, right? So anxious attachments, um, 
they want closeness, right? They want to be validated. And when they get closeness from an avoidant partner, their partner then feels like their independence is being threatened. So avoidance, typically they like their space. They don't like a sense of like closeness and like, they're not the ones like fostering intimacy. They're like, yeah, I like to get, get the fuck out of my space. Like they prefer independence. Like and you. are You're lucky. Get, get it. Just exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And you think you're a secure type, get the fuck out of here. Anyway. <laughs> but, I, but I guess like, sorry, I, I don't mean to derail us, but like, how is that not perceived as secure as well? Right. Because like, I can give you that, but also like, I just don't necessarily need that constant validation. I'm inclined to think that there's actually only three inclusive of that other one that Mary, whatever her face did. Like, I feel like avoidant and secure can be very interchangeable. Nope. Why? No, I don't know. No, no. Anyway. No, I mean, go and talk to all of these like PhDs in psychology and tell yeah. them that they're wrong. <laughs> Please do. I'm going to. I'm going to. So anyways, so when an avoidant partner feels like their independence is being threatened, they will typically withdraw, right? Which then activates the anxious insecurities where their partner makes them feel less than, right? It's like, why won't you love me? Like, why can't you like, why can't you see me? What's wrong? Validate me in our love. And avoidance will then continue to withdraw more because they actually find intimacy to be suffocating because when they were first growing up, they were like, I can't rely on anyone in my space right? It's like, I can only rely on myself. Um, and so it's just something that they're, that they're used to. So they find intimacy like suffocating to a certain degree. And then anxious folks will typically fall into what like psychologists will call protest behavior. So what does this look like? Anxious people will excessively attempt to establish contact, right? It's like the frequent phone calls. Uh, they'll keep score, right? They'll act hostile. They'll threaten to leave. They'll manipulate, which we saw a little bit with Greg. Um, and those are all protest behaviors that are typically what happens when an anxious attachment style like is activated, like their stress levels are activated and their whole like cycle is activated when they so feel you're invalidated. A psychopath is what you're saying. Like you're... <laughs> No, I, to a degree, no, 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 dependent on where you are on the spectrum, right. Of attachment. Saying. So I think some people yeah. like, yes, people who like have no growth, right. As a human being and understanding like, oh, everybody's like comes from a different world. Right. Like there are those, I mean, you know, some folks who are that level of fucking crazy. Like we know of previous folks within our previous friend circles who are that level of crazy. You know what I mean? Ooh, shots fired. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, but then it's like, you have people on the other side of the spectrum that are just like, yes, I know that these are my triggers. And then they'll be like, Hey, I'm communicating this and they can be more mature about it. But like when you're in a competition, like situation, I don't think it lends to productive, like coping mechanisms and productive psychological tools to have conversation and honesty and transparency between participants. Got it. Okay. So you're saying, I mean, look, if I'm a producer, which I'm not, but if I was a producer, I'd be looking for these opposing attachment styles, just quite frankly, because ratings equals viewer, you know, or viewers equals ratings equals whatever. Right. So sorry, I don't speak entertainment speak. Um, So that's like fucked, right. That they're literally monetizing off of people's traumas. Oh, do, 100%. do you think that they like manipulate the situation to make it worse? And like, that's so mean. Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. Like 
trying to pair avoidance with anxious can lead to a lot of explosive contents for these, for these producers. And I agree, they are monetizing off of people's traumas and there definitely is producer manipulation. So I don't know if you ever watched this show called unreal. It's probably one of my fucking favorites. No, I never Um, watched it. I should though. I should. Oh, it's so good. I think the first three seasons, the fourth season, I didn't really get into as much. I actually haven't finished the fourth season, but the first three seasons, wow, killer content. Um, but the whole premise of it is, is, you know, it was created by a former, former Bachelor producer, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro, and it takes us behind the curtains. And I'm sure there's more dramatization that lends to it to make it good TV. But we get to see how producers have to act behind scenes to get good content for the show. Um, And lots of people from Bachelor Nation have actually come out and said that it's eerily similar to how the Bachelor franchises actually run. So they do get paid to start drama. And you see that in the show. They pretend that they're the contestants' best friends to gain their trust so they can like get information so that they can then craft and produce certain situations that will create exacerbated and like crazy content. Um, they participate in frankenbiting, which is basically when you're editing video to make contestants say things um, that they didn't really say or say things out of context. Um, and that's just to, of course, get like viewer numbers up. So like I said, a lot of Bachelor Nation has kind of come out and spoken out against producer manipulation, you know, like Jed Wyatt, Colton Underwood, Kelly Flanagan, like all of these folks. Um so yeah, so it gets a very, very real thing. And I'm sure that they're all aware, like there has to be some awareness on a psychological basis as to how these participants act and their personality types and their attachment styles. And they know what they're doing to create the explosive content. Wait, so actually now that you say that, that reminded me of an article, cause you know, you read books on this and I literally mm-hmm. read like us weekly and Buzzfeed articles about like, 35 things you didn't know about the bachelor franchise. And one of the things that I realized is in addition to, um, having to, I guess, take multiple like STD checks, uh, or STI, I don't know what we're calling them nowadays. Um, you also have to go through like crazy, rigorous psychological testing to be a contestant. <gasps> and I'm it's sure they use that. Sense. Also another rule that I learned from one of those like list of things, like, you know, I also look at like the 30 most memorable royal tiaras and today i actually i literally just read this before we got here it was like it was like 10 things you didn't know about the royal family's diet and it's like the queen doesn't like garlic and she eats her bananas with a fork and knife this is what i spend my time researching you spend your time researching but anyway oh my god it's all making sense to me right yeah interesting interesting okay so like what are your thoughts on this concept right because to go back to the whole idea of like everybody's here for a reason, right? They're not just bringing together people who they think are going to live like, or who are going to get along and live harmoniously in the bachelor mansion. Mm -hmm. Um, like, do you think that they think about the idea or the concept of like, what, like someone being more desirable if they are the object of everyone's affection? Yeah. I mean, like there's been studies that looked at this to some degree, where, um, and they've done this also with, once again, chimps, bonobos, like your favorite, your favorite word, bonobos. Bonobos. Remember bonobos. For sponsorships, bonobos. My <laughs> husband wears, my husband wears your clothes. So, um, basically these studies, what do they prove? They prove that like, you know, the hypothesis sort of the end goal or the summary of some of these studies is that when humans see that someone else 
likes what they've got or that they're interested in, like you suddenly start to look at that thing a lot harder and like have more of a drive to like, like it's like greed, right? Jealousy almost that like partakes. Um, And it kind of goes back to our, like our primary biological driver of like mating. So when you have a mate and like it, it, it appeals to like our basic, um, mammal drive of like wanting to find a partner and like conceiving and bringing forth into the world, um, children that will be genetically blessed with the mix of genes between you and (laughs) and someone else. Um, and then you add in competition to that, like direct competition with like, you know, 12 other men or 12 other women, it's going to heighten your drive to want to win. Yeah. Right. Like, And I feel like that's, they know that. So it's like, you have a whole bunch of like meatheads, a whole bunch of like testosterone raging in a fucking room or or bitches and you add alcohol into the mix. My favorite. Like, like, of course they know what they're doing. So true story. When Mark and I first met, I literally told him like, you're just too nice. Like, I just don't know if I can do this. Then he proceeded to date someone else. And only then was I like, whoa, 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 motherfucker, you're not going to do that shit to me. And that was when I dug my nails in or sunk my teeth in, whatever the right thing is to say. You were fucking lying. No, I swear to God. I swear to God. And then I remember like he wouldn't hang out with me on weekends. I was his weekday girl. And I don't actually know if he's <gasps> hanging out with this other girl. Her name is Denise for the record. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he was actually hanging out with her on the weekends, but I know that like, I wasn't given the weekends. And I was like, you shady motherfucker, give me the damn weekends. And then as we know, right. Like we got married a year and a half later after I was like, uh, 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 you're like, no, 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 no. that's not how this works. I call the shots, but that's so funny. We always want what we can't have or could potentially like be taken from us. Right. So it's another layer of it. Damn it. I am a basic, basic bitch. Aren't I? (laughs) Aren't we all though, to some degree, aren't we all? That's annoying. Okay. Well, um, very interesting that we are just chimps and bonobos at the end of the day. And I am an avoidant attachment person. I don't know what you call it. You could have secure uh, tendencies though, too. Like, don't think this is what I mean by like, it's not very black and white. You know what I mean? Like so these were initial studies. There are certain characteristics and traits and triggers that each type has, but like, as you grow older, it becomes more gray. You know what I mean? Cause like you're growing, you're like going to therapy, you're Lots going through relationships. Like you're realizing what you want, what you don't want. You're realizing what your triggers are, what your ugly like flaws are when it comes to relationships. And like, you start to, you know, develop mechanisms, coping mechanisms. I feel like as, as long as you're growing as a human. So don't like take it like, oh, I'm just an avoidant, but there is a level of you that is avoidant. Alina. We first step is accepting you have a problem. <laughs> Well, my, <laughs> well, not now. We're not going down this path right now. Um, not enough wine in this room for that. Okay. But, okay. Talking about more like fun things about the bachelor, bachelorette. I have a theory and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. The rings. Mm. I personally think it is such a flag when the guy picks a hideous, disgusting ring. I think it's a sign of a doomed relationship and I need to hear your thoughts about it. And I have a couple of examples. Okay. So do you want to hear hit it me. now or do you want to hear it after? Hit me, hit me, hit me with okay. examples. Ben and Lauren B. 
it was like gaudy. I think it was like an emerald and it had a halo uh. and it was a three stone and there was like shit on the side, like so much going on. And then Nick and Vanessa also very similar gaudy like extravagant ring that I feel like it's just so like, I hope to God those, those, those women don't actually like them because mm. they were, they were awful. I don't care if Neil Lane designed them. I don't care if Lorraine B designed them. I don't care if Tiffany, Lewis Tiffany came back from the fucking grave and designed them. They were hideous. And they and they broke up so quickly. I really have a theory. Like if you can't pick out a ring that your partner would like, let alone love, mm. you shouldn't be getting married. That's my thought. So I've actually said that to many people um, where I'm like, if your significant other gets down on one knee and proposes to you, and the ring itself is like clearly a ways away from something that you would ever even consider. No, like there's clearly a disconnect there because they don't know yeah. who you are. They don't know your style. Like, is this someone you really want to marry? Um, however, I will also know just to play devil's advocate, which, you know, I love to fucking do. Um, also, because I love pissing people off. <laughs> no. But- Oh, you know, I love pissing people. Oh, I know. That's why I was like, oh no, you know. So I I will also say that like, though I do think that there is some truth to the statement. um, I also think that like, while the fucking bachelor doesn't have a great track record anyways, to begin with, like the franchise as a whole, like how, like what's the percentage of actual successful relationships? Like, do you really think going onto a reality TV show looking for quote unquote love is actually going to lend to a successful marriage or a successful relationship or successful, whatever. I agree. Yes, I get it. I get it. Like, I don't know why I changed my ring. You know this, right? I do. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. So again, I guess there's gray area here, right? Like for example, my first ring, first of all, I was 23 years old. It was at the time when I thought like, oh, wait, you're not that basic. You don't want more bling. Um, And so Mark had asked me, he was like, hey, like what, what kind of a ring would you want if we ever got engaged? And like, I didn't think he was planning on getting engaged to me. I didn't like know anybody who was engaged, let alone married. So I'd never seen a diamond ring like that in real life. My mom didn't really, well, my mom didn't wear hers. Um, but I was like, oh, I want a solitaire with four prongs, not six. And it needs to be set in this and blah, 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 blah. Then I got it. And also I had this really big fear of someone proposing to me and the ring not fitting. And so someone, he like asked me what my ring size was, or he had somebody ask me somehow, how the hell did you know he was proposing? I don't know. And so I said like two sizes bigger than I was. Cause my biggest fear was like it not going on. So the ring was the wrong size. And then I tried it on and I was like, oh, that's nice. But I don't know if that's my ring. So anyway, I waited a whole year. (laughs) I made him upgrade the setting for my first anniversary. Point is though, that that is a case of just like, well, no, but my point is like, that was a case of neither one of us knowing what we were doing, A, but B, but but I think the difference is that he knew exactly what I thought I wanted, right? Whereas if Mm. they come on, like you can look at Lauren. Also, interestingly enough, Lauren B, her actual engagement ring from her husband now, Chris Lane, is an emerald cut, but it is super simple on a pave band. So I think Hmm. that like a producer was like, Lauren, what kind of stone do you like? And we know that they do this, right? And she said, oh, emerald. And then Ben just chose the most gaudy, like disgusting ring possible. But therefore, again, didn't know like what his girl would like. Anyway, 
Yeah, I mean, like, they're only on the show for, what, like, six weeks? They're filming for six weeks? How much can you actually know a fucking person? Yeah, I guess, I guess. But still, Um, I I think if you have bad taste like that, like, no, sorry, I think it's doomed. Okay, next next topic, which I think is super, I'm very passionate about this. No, I'm probably more passionate about the rings. But can we talk about how Matt vilified Rachel for her college sorority party picks? And we're not going to go down the road of, you know, that. But then got back together with her a few months later. I, with like not a single mention of it. Like, no, hey, we talked through it. Hey, she's doing work. She's learning. Yeah. I, like, I, mm. I, I am inclined to think. Producers told them to do it. Correct. That he had yeah. to say whatever someone else wanted. And again, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it was right or wrong, right? I, I mean, yeah. I think it's like stupid. The, the whole, the whole picture thing was just like, come on, like really. But I also feel like, I don't necessarily think that he felt what he said he felt in the moment. And I think that that's kind of fucked up to let her, like he comes out as like this untarnished person, but she got to take the, like, you know, she got the brunt of that. She had probably so much hatred, which again, mm-hmm. not saying if it's right or wrong, but yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I know a lot of folks who did some stupid shit when they were young, right? And like not to excuse her behavior, but I mean, we all did, right? We all did stupid shit. For me seeing those photos, I was like, oh dear Lord, what was she thinking? Like, and knowing do better, go, do better. Also, but also knowing you're gonna go on this show, like this shit was gonna come out. You know what I mean? But I do agree with you that I'm just like, I do think the producers told him to make it like a learning lesson, right? Because I am very sick of ABC and Disney conglomerate for doing this shit where they, I feel like after the George Floyd thing and a lot of sort of the BLM movement and all of this, all of a sudden like ABC and Disney, you see this like almost like they're like shoving it down our throats where they're just like, oh, now we're going to make a push for diversity, which pisses me off. Cause I'm like, so you mean to tell me after all these years and all these seasons of the bachelor and bachelorette, now you decide that it's appropriate to have like the first black male bachelor, but okay, Disney. But I feel like they, part of that was like them being like, okay, so we're going to make this a learning lesson. So they decided to make it a huge big thing considering what happened. And then the other interesting thing about this whole situation outside of Matt and Rachel is how Chris Harrison basically got ousted from the bachelor franchise after this because of his like podcast interview with Rachel Lindsay. I mean, I mean, for those of you who who may not have been aware, he did an interview with Rachel Lindsay where they were talking about the photos And Chris Harrison, I think like a dumbass said something that like he could have said it in a very, very different way. And it would have gone a different way. But the way he said it was, I think, not great, where he essentially said like, oh, you know, we should just like forgive her essentially, because, you know, like things back then in 2000 and what was it? 15, 2014. I can't remember. No, I think it was like 2018. I don't even think she's that. Oh, my God. Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. It's 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 more recent than that. But regardless. Yeah. A few years ago. He was like, that was like a few years ago where things were different versus like what's acceptable now. And I was like, Chris, you could have said that. And like a different way, like you could have said like, you know, like our society has evolved. Like we're all growing and learning. Like he didn't say it in any way, shape or form. It was almost like he was trying to excuse her behavior and excuse those photos. And, And basically after that interview, 
Rachel Lindsay came out saying she wanted to like quit all ties with Bachelor franchise. Um, and then ABC came out and was like, yeah, he's going to take a hiatus now. Um, hence why we don't have Chris Harrison as our host anymore for this season um, and for The Bachelor in Paradise. Um, no, I like, I, I agree. I, I don't remember. I think I watched that pot or I listened to the podcast thing a long time ago. Um, I should have done a refresher, but yeah, no, I think, I think it was more about like maybe the way he went about it and less the actual mm-hmm. like content. Um, and, and again, I think his intention was like, like it's been a couple of years, whatever. She was also like 18 when it happened. I think that that was, that was kind of the sentiment that he was trying to get across. Like, let's move, you know, she needs to do better. She needs to learn, or at least I hope this was his intention, but I mean, yeah, I, I think the thing that annoys me is like, why is Matt not being given any shit for being with her. If you were so disappointed and you were so hurt that you had to break up with her in the moment, but like, really, I will be a hundred percent honest. Is that a thing? I don't know. I feel like I didn't even know that they got back together because it just wasn't publicized as much either. Well, they like slowly started to post about each other on their Instagrams, but people have like spotted them together in New York and shit for a while. So exactly. Right. And so it's like the way that they went about it is, and that's my point, right? Like he, I feel like, you know, that there's something a little bit fucking fishy fishy going on and you don't want to be like, Hey, after this huge public breakup, all of these things, I'm not even going to acknowledge the fact that I'm back with her. Why? Or I'm, I'm not going to like publicly acknowledge it. doesn't it. want to publicly like go through the shit storm that's most likely going to happen about Which it. Which I don't disagree with, but I just feel like that's like, again- He like, should have, my- they should have come out and said like, hey, we've like grown together and like blah, Whatever, blah, blah. Very- you know what I mean? That's something at least, yeah. but yeah, no, I'm hundred percent like it seems very much to me that this was like a producer led decision. Um, and that them coming back together again is like actually, and they probably, because of their contract, they probably were seeing each other after that reunion episode, most likely. Oh yeah. And they've just had to keep it on the DL and are now starting to like flag to the world that they're together. Yeah. I just think it's like, I just think it's unfair. And like, if my husband or boyfriend or whatever, ever like, let me take that kind of shit and said those things, he didn't say anything like awful, but like, made me look really bad in the public eye. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel about him not even coming, kind of coming out and acknowledging, Hey, we're back together. These are the steps that she's taken, whatever it is. Right. Like, I don't know. That just kind of annoyed me a little bit for her, not for me. Mm. Cause I don't really care. Um, okay. And then really quickly, cause I feel like we've got to wrap it up and bring us home. Um, but what are your thoughts on like, how do you know if they're here for the right reasons? I feel like that would fuck with me so hard. I just like keep rolling my eyes every time I keep fucking hearing that like phrase (laughs) here for the right reason. Like what the fuck is the right reason? Like we all know, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that feels like if you're going on reality TV, if you're like after X amount of seasons of the bachelor and bachelor, right. Cause like we're what 20 something seasons in into the bachelor and seven, what 20 see supposedly Greg Grippo is the bachelor, which I think is fucked, but Oh, so I actually, so thanks to you yesterday, I found that out, but then I actually did some more research on this. Is he he not? So his uncle supposedly came out and said like, oh, they came to him asking for him to do it. And he denied the offer. So I was like, interesting. Nevertheless. I don't know about that, guys. Nevertheless. No. 
Um, I feel like if we're 27 seasons into The Bachelor and you're still talking about the right reasons, get the fuck out of here. Because the only reason I feel like people are applying for this show, it's not for love. And especially how good looking some of these people are and how established some of these people are. Like at the end of the day, we all know that it's like, you want the publicity, you want to get your name out there. There's always some ulterior motive, always. So like, how does one even define what the fucking right reasons are? Okay. So I kind of disagree with you here. And I think that that's because you and I have been married since we're children. Um, we were both married at what you got married 23 as well, right? 22, 23, 21. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, um, how have you not known that no, you always I, I, one of me is being worse of a child wait, bride wait, wait, than wait, you are. On. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. No. So you got married in 2013. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what it was. We got married the same year. Yes. And you're obviously younger than me. Okay. So with that said, I feel like it's very easy for us to like say, Hey, if you're attractive and you're ABCD, whatever, you're successful, you're a normal human being, you should be able to find somebody. But that said, I have totally participated in sitting there and swiping on my friends, um, Tinder and hinge. And what's the other one? Bumble. And after about four and a half minutes, Mm. I was like depressed for her. because I was like, Oh, wow, this kind of sucks. And I think that like, so I don't know, like I'm inclined to think like, it's not that easy necessarily to like find somebody. I think though, that there is a very clear correlation between like, Hey, come on the show for a little while, potentially ruin your reputation, but also you can definitely get a contract with teamy blends or whatever that is on Instagram. So I think that that's what it means more of. I think it's like, I I don't necessarily think that people are opposed to finding somebody, but I feel like the goal is either, I think for the right reasons is not necessarily aiming to be the next bachelor or bachelorette and not necessarily just trying to further your own career. That's what I think. Yeah. But like how many people are going to go on and not further their career? Like already from the get-go, this whole thing is tainted. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you could go to like a group meet situation for like meeting other locals that have like interests similarly to yours, right? And like the whole goal of that is to meet someone so that you can network and, you know, eventually like find a significant other similar interest to you. But when you're applying for a reality TV show, you're already knowing, like you already know there's an ulterior motive there because of the level of publicity that you're getting. So even if you don't make it like later into the show, you don't make it far, there's still like a level of visibility that you're getting. I think it depends on what you do for a living. I wouldn't necessarily want like my employer. How many people have become straight up influencers after airing on the show, even yeah, though they've been I, doing something else entirely. Agreed, like but Rachel wonder, Lindsay used to be a lawyer. And now what is she doing? She's not a lawyer anymore. Oh, I She's not doing shit anymore. Yeah. But she was also the bachelorette. I think that's different. I think that like, if you go into that, you kind of know like what the fuck law firm is going to hire her. Right. Not that she's not smart, but like after having that kind of publicity and whatever, like I just think that's a much harder sell, but like, for example, Brie, right. She used to work at Facebook. Everybody is that public? Yeah. Anyway, she used to work at Facebook. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I know that, but um, point is she used to work at Facebook and now, you know, she had to leave her job because she was in the final, whatever, blah, blah, blah. She went ahead and turned influencer. However, my point being like, if I got to stay, you know, top 10, top five, and I wasn't given that 
ultimatum by the company, which I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I don't understand that, right? Like, hey, you've been gone for fucking however long time your PTO is up, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. I feel like I would rather stay at my corporate job, theoretically. Mm-hmm. I mean, influencer. I don't know. Anyway, that's a damn lie because you know damn well, Nespresso, you come, you sponsor us. Chris Jenner, you take us on. <laughs> I will leave my corporate job in a fucking minute. So I just lied. I actually just made a whole argument about something that I don't even believe in. And sometimes I think I'm crazy. I feel like you're playing devil's advocate, but like people don't realize you're playing devil's advocate. And it's funny because you're talking to me and in my head, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Sure. (laughs) You're like, you fucking bitch. You will succumb to the world of fillers and teamy blend teamy. If you want to sponsor us, that's okay. I will do it. I will uh, do it. Teamy. <laughs> sugar, sugar, hair, bear, sugar, bear. What is it? Sugar, bear, hair, vitamins. I will. I have long hair. I'm probably one of your target influencers. <laughs> Actually, you do have very gorgeous, luscious, long locks. I will say. Thanks. I take prenatal vitamins for it. Just for my hair. Or, I'm or just for your hair. Because that's it. Just... <laughs> I'm not kidding. I take it for my hair. I realized that it was going to make my hair grow. And here we are. All right. With that, LOL. Said, with that said, coming um, up on time. So I think just to wrap this all up, like at the end of the day, when you watch these shows, like just know that it is manipulation tactics at its finest. Yeah. That is what makes this show entertaining for a lot of people. And now that we've kind of given you like a little look under the hood, I hope folks start to realize this and will actually flag attachment styles and red flags of those attachment styles as the seasons go on. Cause I think that will be entertaining. But I leave you all with with the fun attachment theory. Go look it up. Hopefully it'll make you like better in your relationships, X, Y, and Z. It's fun stuff. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us on The Beauty and the Brain. Be sure to join us next week for our next spin on intellectualizing our basic bitch interests. Be sure to join us and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tweet us at The Beauty and Brain and follow us at The Beauty and Brain Podcast on Instagram. Give us feedback. Tell us what you love, what you don't love. Let us know what topics you'd like for us to cover. And we'll talk to you all later. 